Today, I talked to a registered dietitian about how he grows his community of clients without directly using social media or the internet. How can brand ambassadors like us, who don't have a huge social following, who don't want to use pushy sales tactics, how do we build a meaningful community, share our favorite brands, and make money all at the same time? My name is Tyson Gunter, and this is the podcast for fitness ambassadors. I'm running a small startup called Black Label Supplements, and I'm on a mission to find the best advice to help current and interested fitness brand ambassadors succeed. Let's go. Happy Monday, everybody. It's Tyson. Um, I, today, I'm, I'm kind of excited, and I don't know if this will actually come out on, on Monday, but we're recording it on Monday. So uh, today, we're talking with Jake Dudley, and for those of you that are following our social media, which all of you hopefully are, um, Jake's been the registered dietitian we're working with to share really good nutrition tips and, um, as it relates to our fitness journey. So uh, I wanted to bring Jake on to talk about not necessarily nutrition, but I'm sure that will come up in the conversation because it's fun and part of the part of the whole deal. But also um, because Jake has built uh, his own private practice, he built his own community of people that he's helping as a dietitian, as well as he consults with with um, a few other, I guess, clinics, I guess is the right term. He consults with some clinics and helps them uh, build their practice in, in one way. And it's probably more on the nutrition side. But anyway, welcome, Jake. Hey there. Thank you. Thank you, Tyson. Um, yeah, we'll get into all the details of what exactly I do. And sometimes I don't fully know the answer to that <laughs> either. But <laughs> But it is always... <laughs> but yeah, definitely the biggest part of what I do is consulting with nutrition, weight loss, health. Um, but I do a lot of fitness consultation and stuff too, um, with, with some kind of semi-pro athletic teams in the area, just individuals kind of all over the place. But, um, I mean, I'm just here to kind of fill in the blanks. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's just jump right in. Um, how did you gain an interest in fitness or uh, not fitness, sorry, nutrition? Yeah. Well, the, the, I guess to start from the beginning, I think it like my interest in nutrition goes all the way back to me being a weird kid growing up because like I grew up in a family that, you know, like, a, like most Americans, you know, eats like garbage and seeing my family in poor health as a kid, I always kind of drew the association to the fact that they felt bad after they ate. And so as when I, when I refer to myself as a weird kid, like when we would go grocery shopping, for example, we would get two heads of lettuce. One was for the family and one was for me. <laughs> And I would literally walk around the house, like chomping on a head of iceberg lettuce. And like my grandpa always joked and said, there's something wrong with that kid. But <laughs> then, kind of going through life, um, I noticed that like, so my hold, yeah, Jake, I got it. So you like you somehow associated some of their, I guess, maybe health problems or their mm -hmm. their lack of feeling good yeah. with nutrition just on your own or was there something that kind of sparked that yeah well I think 
a little bit of the credit goes to the magic school bus. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, man, Miss Frizz, like I remember like one episode in particular where it talked about like people taking a nap when their blood sugar drops. And so I remembered that and I took that to heart and like, no, I, I was not like aware of like blood sugar and diabetes and things like that when I was a kid. But what I saw was like, my family would be eating like, let's say spaghetti for dinner. And it's like, I would have some spaghetti, but then I would have a big salad. And it's like, everybody else would go take a nap and I would go outside and play. And it's like, I feel like as a kid, I was aware, but I don't think I ever like drew the full conclusion that my dietary habits were what were separating me from the rest of my family. And it's like, I don't know if you've ever, wow. if you've ever met my brother, but I'm, so I'm six, two for everybody who hasn't seen me. I'm about six, two and about two Oh five. Um, my older brother dwarfs me. He's about six foot 10 and about, I mean, at his peak, he was about three ninety. Wow. And you know, our mom, like, well, I guess I'll kind of cascade into why I became a dietitian. My mom, when she was young, like she had me and my older brother, well, she had my older brother when she was 18 and me when she had just turned 19. And before my brother, she was about six foot and about 160 pounds. So she was tall and pretty lean. Um, but then after my little brother, she had gained more than double her weight. Like she was over 320. And so my entire life, I remember hearing my mom talking about being on a diet. Like she would say, I can't eat that. That's bad for me. I'm, you know, watching what I'm eating or this and that. And I was always like, well, what, what is good? <laughs> like if this is all bad stuff, right. or, like what can you eat? And so I think that was another big piece to it is like, she was always talking about like specific diet foods. And so as a kid, like I remember like in elementary school, like reading nutrition labels and trying to decipher what all that jumbled stuff meant. Um, and so with my family being overweight and obese, I feel like that's what kind of brought my consciousness to it. Now, I feel like I take more after my dad's side. Um, he, so my mom's six foot, my dad's five, nine, <laughs> and, and he's, he's pretty lean. And, uh, you know, a lot of people in the Hispanic culture, my dad being from Mexico, like typically smaller framed. And so I feel like genetically I am a little bit different than kind of the white side of my family, which is my older brother, my mom, um, everybody on that side who is like six foot three plus. And so when I got into you know high school and we started taking, you know, health classes, science classes, things like that, it just continued to build my interest because I was now getting answers to questions I'd had for a long time. Um, and then I don't know if you knew this Tyson, but before I became a dietitian, I actually went to culinary school and so food was like always my focus there. And with going to culinary school, I became a classically trained chef. I worked in several different cuisines and I was actually a executive chef at a restaurant when I was 21. And then when I was there, I realized how much I hated cooking for people. 
<laughs> and so that's what directed me back into school to become a dietitian. And so at that point was when you and I had kind of met was running track and field at ISU and, mm-hmm. you know, doing that, I was finishing my didactic program in nutrition and dietetics and the course from there, after you finish an undergraduate in dietetics is to do a dietetic internship. And if anybody out there is familiar with that, it's a grueling process. (laughs) Yeah. I've heard you talk about that. Um, pretty crazy and quite, uh, in depth. Right. Right. And, and I mean, all that to say is that food is largely, you know, the majority of what I think about every day. Um, because I love to cook at home. I love to cook for friends. I love to prepare healthy food. In fact, my brother, it was hilarious last year, came to visit me down here in Texas. And he was like, you don't have anything to eat. And I was like, the cupboards are full, dude. <laughs> it's just that I didn't have any of the junk food that he was used to eating. Yeah. Right. You know? and, and it's, and it's funny. Uh, another thing too, that we'll get into conversation about is just kind of the, I guess the complex that kind of growing up in poverty creates for people when it comes to food, like, you know, it's, it's a long conversation maybe, (laughs) but the poverty complex is one of the things that, you know, I talk about with a lot of my clients is that's largely responsible for the obesity epidemic in America. And, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if we'll get into that today, but it's something that I have a lot of opinions on and a lot of thoughts on, but I grew up in a very poor family in a very kind of rural farmland area in Jerome, Idaho. And so it's like not having access to a lot of healthy food options there, you know, it's understandable that people can be overweight and obese. Right. But I mean, all that, all that's to say, like, that was a long (laughs) uh, branch off of the question, which is how I got interested. The short answer is my family, my family background, and also professors in high school and college that really kind of drove me to wanting more answers, more science and things like that. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you, you sharing that. And um, I would love to get into some of that, that more nutrition stuff, but I would probably stay away for at least the, the first part of it. Because right. yeah. um, I thought it too, and I don't know what I'm talking about. So that's even <laughs> no, I, I have some experience there, but it was just, and for those that may have gathered, um, so Jake and I, we were on track at Idaho State, and that's where we met initially. And he's an amazing DJ, by the way, if nobody else is. Yes, nobody <laughs> oh, yeah. That was how <laughs> I paid for college. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just cool stuff. But he mentioned something that I want to bring to awareness for those of us that are, you know, trying to figure out as a fitness ambassador and just trying to build your own community. Like he said, he, he was in culinary school. He was a, a chef. Um, like in most people's eyes, it's like really successful. Right. But he realized that's not where that's not the community he wanted to serve. He found that the community he wanted to serve was, you know, related to food, but not in the cooking side, but the nutrition side. And that led him to, um, a really awesome internship in, it was at Baylor, right? The Baylor medical right. center. Is that Correct. right? In Dallas? Yep. 
or yeah so it was the baylor university medical center and you know contrary to baylor university which is down in waco baylor university medical center is in downtown dallas um and so what brought us to dallas initially was my wife who is a a dentist and she graduated from uh texas a&m baylor college of dentistry which is now solely called texas a&m college of dentistry um but conjoined is in this massive building is the dental school and Baylor university medical center. Um, and so that's, that's where I did my internship, which is a clinical internship, which we'll kind of, I'll kind of get into that later as to what the difference between that and some of the other types of internships are. Right. Right. Um, so you get, you get into dietetics and then, now it's time you got to start um, building your own community. So what now you took a did you take a job after your internship or did you automatically start doing some private consulting through Arbiter Weight Management? Um, what was your process? Right. So what I initially started with was kind of building my resume was working at the hospital even before my my internship. So if for for folks who don't know the dietetic internship process, like I said, it, it's a pretty grueling <laughs> endeavor, but it's highly, highly competitive. Um, I believe in the Baylor internship, they accept um, 12 applicants and every year they can receive anywhere between 140 to 170 applicants um, from all over the U S all over the world, actually. Um, and for whatever reason, they decided to choose me. Um, <laughs> and also in the world of nutrition and dietetics, men make up a, I believe about 7% of the population of dietitians. And it's a very female dominated field. Um, and especially the field of clinical nutrition, which is what the Baylor internship specialized in. Um, and so the three main branches of nutrition and dietetics are community, food service, and clinical. And so each one creates an entirely different dietitian. Um, you know, for example, a clinical dietitian may not know how many ounces are, <laughs> you know, in a number 10 can that's going to be in a kitchen. Um, and then a food service dietitian isn't going to know how to calculate a TPN formula for a patient that needs tube feedings. And then uh, community is where you're going to find a lot of dietitians who work in WIC and um, work with folks at food banks and school districts and things like that. Um, community can also transition into commercial, which is ultimately where I've wound up is more of the commercial side of weight loss and nutrition. But fortunately, because my background started in food service, when I got in there, I knew the ropes of food service. And that was the easiest thing for me, which is oftentimes the most, I guess, taxing thing for a lot of folks, just because it's something they're not interested in. Um, and so when I got out of my internship, I had many, many offers for a lot of the places that I had visited during my rotations to come work for them. Um, so having worked at the hospital, I had that clinical background for about two and a half years. I transitioned out of the hospital right after the internship, and I moved into um, private consultation myself. Um, and, and with that, 
I then found the one of the clinics that I'm working at now, and I've been working with them for, oh gosh, I guess September will be three years. And with that, you know, I, I learned more about the business side of running a nutrition practice. And I guess a lot of the science had already been drilled into me through the internship. So as I'm working with this clinic and still managing my own business on the side, what I have done over time is, you know, more word of mouth than anything, getting folks who have had a successful, you know, fitness journey with me. And then they have a friend who needs to lose weight and get fit as well. And so I start working with their friend, their friend starts referring to other people. And I guess over the last year and a half, um, I've amassed a pretty good, community of folks just purely on word of mouth. I don't do any sort of, you know, radio or online advertising. Um, so a lot of it's just kind of organic the way, which is to me just an absolute blessing in that, you know, I, I I've focused on what I love doing and the growth just kind of happened to itself. So that's a huge po- uh, key that I want to point out that, um, you, you found something you loved, you dove so deep into it that you were very educated. And then after that is when you started to, whether it was organically, or even if you were to run ads or whatever, you would have to start building your community after you kind of knew what you were doing at some point. Now, obviously there, there's different ways to do that. Like for somebody that might just be starting their fitness journey and they want to create an Instagram account to, to just, um, to show what they're doing and their progress. Mm-hmm. Like obviously there's the, uh, a niche or there's an opportunity for them to reach people that are also in their journey at that right. time. But I think it's so important that, that anybody that's trying to be, um, I guess essentially like the, uh, side hustle, create a side right. hustle. You've, you've, know what you're doing first to some degree <laughs> absolutely yeah <laughs> right yeah no no and you can't i mean you i mean yes you can you can you can build something with without being an expert but right absolutely but to be successful at it like i don't feel like i would have had near the word of mouth if i wasn't you know well practiced in the field and you know, mm-hmm. I, n- not to brag, but it's like under my belt, I've got over 4,000 people that I have helped to either lose weight, get fit, or complete a nutrition and fitness program. And, mm-hmm. and it's like all been done with getting to know people, like getting to know each human that I've worked with and like not treating them as you know, just a client. Like, I mean, I've got folks from (laughs) many, many years ago that I still know that I still communicate with, still talk to, still check in on their families. Because to me, you know, it was, it was always passion first. It was like giving, uh, not to swear, (laughs) sorry, but like caring about people to me was the most important piece of what I do. And building the practice kind of came secondary. And like I said, I'm very fortunate that it grew on its own to the extent that it has. But in that same sense of somebody wanting to start a a side hustle is that if you've got a nine to five, it is so hard to 
put time and effort into building your side hustle when you're tired, when you're working all day, you come home and you got barely enough time to prepare a meal and go to bed, you know, let alone continue to work and build something for yourself. But uh, right. I would say for anybody trying to build a community and develop that side hustle is like, if you are passionate about it, like the time will come, like you will find the time on a weekend. You will spend a lot of, t- of weekends in, like, I don't go out much. <laughs> I'm kind of a home buddy. And so it's like, that was easy for me, but it's like, I've got several friends who even in my own internship who are trying to do their own thing. And it's like, they're, they're struggling to, figure out how they want to grow their communities or what exactly it is they want to do. And, mm-hmm. and I, I totally hear like what you're saying about like someone starting that side hustle, you know, don't get discouraged if you're struggling to build that community, like build your knowledge base, build your fortitude. And then when you do start getting, you know, a couple people here and there, exercise those muscles that you just developed, like your, your mental muscles of whatever the field is you're trying to work in, you know, it's okay to, to work a little harder for somebody, even if it's not going to make you more money, work a little harder and show that dedication to those people. And when I train people at the clinics that I go and consult with, like the first thing I tell every class of like new nutritionists is nobody cares how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I feel like that. Yeah. I, I, I love that. And I don't know if I'm know. cutting you off here, but uh, so, so yeah, exactly. And what I, I mentioned about um, starting your journey. Um, I think it takes, becoming the expert Mm -hmm. to really start making money, but you, but you, if you document your journey along the way, like for example, and you may have done this inadvertently, maybe Mm -hmm. not, but as you talk to people, um, yours was an offline journey, but as you talk to people about your passion, your family, people that you knew in the community, your friends, family, then you talk to them about how it's going. You talk to them through your internship, telling them about it. And then all of a sudden you were building a, a community around your journey, mm-hmm. right? But it wasn't until you became the expert that you actually were able to make money off of that. And not to say that money's everything, but I mean, we are in a money driven community or a society right. and it's okay to want money as long as you have good motivation yeah. behind it. So I think there's, there's that. So the people, like you mentioned, you know, don't get discouraged if you want to start your fitness journey and document it. And at some point, be an inspiration to other people you absolutely Mm -hmm. can you might not make any money or working with black label supplements as an ambassador you probably won't make money the first time you post about us or whatever but as you continue to build your community and show you care about them and become an expert if whether it's nutrition or fitness or crossfit or sports training or weight loss whatever it is you know you're going to be able to build your community as you show your journey and you've done an awesome job of that offline, which not a lot of people do. And I think that's another thing to, um, to talk about. Yeah. Well, no, and I appreciate you saying that is, you know, it, it's, and before anyone jumps to conclusions, like it, it's a process that took me, you know, about five, six years to do, 
you know, it wasn't like I just decided to, or I just graduated from my internship. And then all of a sudden I had a community, like it was just nonstop, like hustle. Right. And even through that, that period of time, another thing I didn't mention is that my wife is in dental school <laughs> at that point is that, you know, we graduated oh, yeah. from ISU, oh. got married the next day. And then one month later moved to Texas and <laughs> and then shortly thereafter, she begins school and I begin working as a dietetic technician at the hospital. Um, and, a, and a DTR is um, the step below uh, a registered dietitian because you've not yet taken your internship or done your internship or taken the exam. Um, you can do what's called the DTR exam, the registered dietetic technician exam and become a DTR and begin working as essentially like a dietitian's assistant. Um, and so that's what I did initially, which is what really helped to give me a really strong clinical background going into my internship. And so I guess kind of playing off what you said is I had begun laying the foundation and the groundwork for becoming the expert and like that. And that honestly right. is a bit of what led to Arbiter, Arbiter Weight Management, which is my private practice. Um, like the definition of Arbiter is a person who is the ultimate authority in the matter. And it's like, so an Arbiter is mm -hmm. like the person who provides the answers. Um, and so it's like, I feel like for so many people who are struggling with their weight and their health, it's like they have a really good idea of what to do but they don't know what specifically they need to do for themselves. You know, like I would say the, the most common phrase yeah. that a new client has <laughs> when I meet them is I know what to do. I just need to do it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I think that's pretty common. And, you know, a lot of people listening to this are personal trainers and, and uh, fitness coaches. And I feel like they probably have a, yeah, a lot of similar right, response. Right. And it's like, I mean, I would say, you know, not a huge percentage, but about maybe 10, 15% of my clients are former athletes, like whether they were college athletes or high school athletes, or I've got a couple of uh, former professional athletes that I'm working with who, you know, I do have endorsement deals with them, so I'm not allowed to throw their names and stuff out just yet, but, <laughs> but with them, it's like, yeah, the most common thing they are all saying is just that they're so mad that they let themselves go, that they kind of got comfortable in a sense. Um, and the knowledge mm -hmm. is there. It's like their their knowledge of what they used to do is there. And the hard thing for them is like, what do I do to get back to that? Like, what do I do to get back yeah. in control? And a lot of what I do is help people just kind of connect the dots. Um, you know, having been an athlete for most of my life, it's, it's easy to see how life can get in the way and kind of throw a wrench in the works. Like at one point I had a belly, <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and I don't know too many successful dietitians that are able to tell people what to do, who have a, who have a gut, <laughs> but, but it was, it was the fact that we were both in school that, you know, the, the bank account was tight. And, you know, we didn't have enough time to really focus on ourselves and our health, but it's like, you know, I think last I checked, like my body fat now is 
about where it was running at ISU, but I run my mile time faster than I did when I was in college. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, I doubt awesome. I can hurdle like I used to, but <laughs> yeah, really. but yeah, man, that's oh, that's that's awesome. Um, so I wanted to. I have a couple follow up questions. I'm trying to figure out what order to do these in. Um, so that might not be very smooth flowing, but yeah. we'll just go with it. So with with your, I guess offline your mm-hmm. community that you're building. Um, you've talked to me about you have you have word of mouth. Now that's very common in the fitness industry. So what like there's things that you do specifically to kind of encourage that, mm-hmm. right? You have, you have maybe some things for people. Um, like how do you use your word of mouth or how do you leverage yeah, word so of mouth now? To, I guess, encourage my existing client base to, you know, talk about what their experiences are with me is I do offer some incentive to them referring people in. It's like, if let's say, so I'll, I'll just use my weight loss clients, for example, because that's probably my most common referral source is any of my weight loss clients. If they refer a friend, they get um, two free weeks of my program and so does their friend. And so, you know, depending uh-huh. upon the individual that can vary between, you know, $150 value to $300 value. And so it's like you just get a friend mm-hmm. to come in, sign up for the program and you've each gotten this gift and you know it's been very effective for getting more people in the door but i would say outside of that you know people in today's world just love to post things (laughs) and so they'll like they'll like post their progress photos and they'll like tag me and then people will be like oh my gosh how did you do it and then they'll, they'll tag me in that one and then someone else will be like man you look great what's your secret? And then they'll tag me in that one. And then it's like, just kind of a cascade thanks to social media that I am terrible at. <laughs> like for anybody, and I'm sorry if anybody looks up my Instagram after this, you're, you're not going to find much. Like I'm not very active on social media. Um, but I link all my information on how to get in contact with me on the social media platforms and people reach out and I do respond pretty quickly to emails, text messages, and phone calls. Um, or if you send me a message via Instagram, Facebook, uh, I think I still have a Twitter. I'm not sure, <laughs> but I get those notifications too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a, that's really good. And one of the things that you didn't say, but I'm going to just mm-hmm. throw it out there and guess, um, especially coming from the supplement side, like I see as I research these ambassador programs, the partnership programs, it's like, as soon as somebody like gets a link or a code, that's like full on like mm-hmm. battalion posting that, like spreading it everywhere. But I would guess that probably your best referrals come from the clients that they might have been with you for a while and then they start talking about it and then they start showing their progress. And and I think that's a, again, reading between the lines a little bit here, but the point is like those people added value to their friends. They talked mm-hmm. about the results they had and then followed up with the offer instead of trying to yeah, lead with the yeah, offer. Yeah. I like the way you put that because I, I do feel like it's, 
it is the experience that they enjoy. Because, I mean, if they hated what they were doing, I don't think that they would refer it. <laughs> and, like, right. the fact that they did right. have a really good time and that, you know, I really get close with a lot of my clients and want to build a, a, a good relationship where we can communicate openly and that they don't feel embarrassed or ashamed during their program because weight loss is a very sensitive thing. Uh, you know, for mm -hmm. a lot, especially, you know, being a male in the field, a lot of females can be hesitant to, you know, open up or talk about what they're feeling to a, a man who's trying to help them lose weight. Um, and so a lot of the time when I do meet a female client, especially one that has a significant amount of weight, I always like to talk about my family because genuinely my mom is the reason that I'm a dietitian because I used to remember sitting up with her at night right. and she would cry because she just couldn't figure out how she wasn't losing weight with everything that she would try. And it's like, she would try this supplement, this supplement, this diet, this diet, and no luck. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a big cry baby <laughs> with a lot of my clients <laughs> and, and I love being able to show my vulnerability to them and, and still, let them know that I'm going to be firm with helping them to be successful. You know, and, and I love that part of what I do is that, you know, it's more than just weight loss. There's like 85% of what you do surrounding your diet is emotional. You know, and I mm -hmm. firmly believe that. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I'm getting better personally as I do some of my, um, marketing consulting. And as I help our ambassadors, like be a little more, share more personal stories and how things go. And that definitely yeah. helps along the way. Um, then I'll finish with, with one question. I think this is probably mm -hmm. a good way to finish. Um, so there's a lot of people out there that call themselves nutrition coaches that call themselves like, weight loss gurus, fitness gurus, and, and obviously where we're um, working with supplements, it's more on the fitness side, but uh, personal trainers have some small education on nutrition. Like how, what would you, what would you, what advice would you give to those people? Right. Because obviously their passion is to help people get fit through the, the actual mm -hmm. fitness part of things. Um, what, what advice would you give them? Because they want to share nutrition advice, but I've seen so many go, overboard mm -hmm. or go too far um what, what do you say because i think i would love to connect those people with you and if anybody's listening to this and you want to take a client to the next level working with registered dietitian is the way to do that mm -hmm. um but if they can't afford it or, or reason uh i guess i'm rambling a little bit but how what what can you tell them to help them be effective but not start gotcha. preaching stuff yeah that's false? and and no, if you haven't caught on, I ramble a lot. <laughs> um, I mean, a, a lot of folks kind of don't understand the difference between what is a registered dietitian and what is a nutritionist. Um, a, a registered dietitian, as kind of referring back to my, my background with my education, is that in order to become an RD, you have to go through a minimum of a four-year program. Um, nowadays, it's, I believe they're shifting in 2022 to a six-year, you have to have a master's degree and then go into a didactic or a, a, an accredited uh, dietetic internship. Um, and then you have to pass the national board exam. 
the RD exam, and then you become a registered dietitian. Um, the technical definition for a nutritionist is anybody with an interest in nutrition. And so that's, that's, that's where the water gets a little muddy. And I know some nutritionists who are incredible, who are smarter in the world of health and fitness than most of the RDs that I've worked with. Because as I kind of talked about the three different paradigms of dietetics being clinical community and food service, it's like most people in their lane don't go outside of their lane. Um, so my advice to mm -hmm. any health professional who is, or fitness professional is that if you want to provide the best possible all around care for your client is to either a put yourself through more rigorous uh, research. Like don't see an article on Facebook and say, Oh yeah, that looks good. I'm going to talk about that. <laughs> um, and, and don't like right. look at those ads that pop up when you're waiting for your YouTube video to load about this guy who's lifting this and that and how eating this and that is going to help you burn fat like crazy. Like those things are marketing ploys and, it, and it, it's, it's dangerous because a lot of people present me with this, these questions all the time about supplements and things that, you know, they saw on the internet and it's like, if there's no real backing or research behind it, that you can, that you can cite, like it, it may be ineffective and it may just be kind of a money grab. So my advice to people trying to improve mm -hmm. the quality of care for their clients is link up with a professional. You can use me. You can, I have referrals that I go to. It's like, same thing with anybody in the healthcare fields. If you're not a specialist and somebody needs a specialist, you refer. Um, so you can refer clients. I stay in my lane when it comes to bodybuilding. <laughs> I don't know anything about how to effectively get somebody to build just a mountain of muscle. So I refer to a couple of my friends, um, who one of which is an uh, IBBF uh, fitness pro. And I've got other people who are like, even though I am a certified personal trainer, like <laughs> I'm not the best at that. So I stay in my lane. Um, and when it comes to educating people, that's, that's where I shine is educating the client on who they or what they need to be looking at for who they are specifically. Um, I, I look at it from many, many angles and many registered dietitians who are who specialize in weight loss will be doing the same thing is looking at it from multiple angles, not just a chart, not just a study, but hundreds and hundreds of studies over the course of their entire education, their experience. And that's what we cite when consulting with people on providing the best possible nutrition care. Um, so with all that rambling aside is <laughs> to give somebody the best direction by leading them to somebody who may have more answers. And it's sometimes hard to, you know, suck it up and say, well, then I'm not going to make as much money off of this client, but kind of like what I said before about providing the best quality of care is that's what leads to people trusting you is that if you don't have the answer, you don't just make one up mm -hmm. is that you say, you know what, I don't know that answer, but let me find right. someone who does. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And that's one of the big reasons we, uh, me personally, I reached out to Jake in the first place was because 
Um, I'm an athlete and I feel like the, the, the ingredients in our supplements are really good, but I wanted to see, you know, from a dietitian standpoint, if they were, they held up and we always push at black label that good nutrition is first. And then you use a, a pre-performance and a protein to just continue to improve that performance uh, versus trying to go supplement first. So we always encourage everybody to, to have the good nutrition first. And I wanted to even go beyond that and make sure that, um, that we weren't referring or telling things that, that weren't accurate. So uh, Jake's been a big part of that. And um, so when you see stuff that we put out, it's, it's going to be related to Jake <laughs> or approved by Jake because uh, to make sure we're sharing the and, best. And I love that aspect of you guys, you know, referring that out to me because that immediately tells me that I can trust people who, who understand that, you know, you're like, you are dang good at what you do. I'm dang good at what I do. And I love being able to bring those skill sets together to produce something that's as high quality as black label, because like since working with you guys, it's like become one of my top recommended things, not just because I'm associated with you. Like I do have others that I recommend for specific folks, but like for the, the population, right. like you guys nailed it with what you're going for. And I love it. <laughs> uh, we appreciate that. And we'll, we'll continue to work to build um, new products uh, fast, hopefully sooner than later. But, you know, a lot of things have to go into that. Um, well, anyway, thanks, Jake. I appreciate you joining us. And for any of you guys that are, you know, I think a lot of you guys are fitness pros. Or even if you're just uh, an enthusiast that wanted to be an ambassador with us and you have questions about nutrition or if you're ready and want to jump into a program, I really highly recommend getting in contact with Jake. We tag him in all the, the tips that he gives us. So um, there's some easy ways to get in touch with him. If you are a fitness pro and you have clients that want something more than you can give and you're willing to admit that, which hopefully you are. Um, Jake would love to work with your clients. Uh, he is very busy, so there's probably some some type of consultation process. But uh, but yeah, that's, yeah, uh, no, absolutely, and I appreciate you having me, Tyson. And just one thing with um, you fitness professionals out there is that the referral system, you know, is is great both ways. And I do have a number of weight loss clients who are looking to improve their fitness. And like I said, I understand that for specific individuals, I'm not the best person to help them with that fitness goal. And I'm always looking for somebody to refer to when it comes to helping someone to either a improve their body, improve their fitness, athleticism, whatever it might be. And so I'm happy to reach out or contact anybody who, who does want to set some sort of referral system up. Thank you for listening. Before I go, if you like what we're talking about on this podcast, I want to invite you to join the Black Label Supplements Brand Ambassador Program. I'm specifically building it with marketing resources and ongoing trainings to help you become successful as a fitness brand ambassador. For more information, go to blacklabelsupplements.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and hit the link that says Brand Ambassador Info. I look forward to getting your application.